So our sermon title, or our thinking today, is really guarding ourselves from covetousness, or guarding ourselves from greed. I like that little kid's talk. I think it's done so well. There was a um, an Irish missionary that I knew from the Frankston RP Church. And while he was living in Africa, someone gifted him a monkey. Or somehow he got a monkey. And one week later, he had to give that monkey away because he could not look after this animal. But it's interesting to know how they catch a monkey. Have you ever pondered on how they would catch such a creature? There was a little illustration up there on the screen. And one famous way is to get like a coconut, tie that to a tree, make a little hole small enough for the monkey to squeeze its hands in, put some bait in it. So once the monkey has squeezed its hands in, it grabs the bait, it's got a full fist of it, then it can't pull its hand back out. And then a person will come with a blanket, trap it, and capture the monkey. And the ironic factor is, all the monkey needs to do is let go of what it has in his hand, squeeze it out, and escape. But it can't. Its focus is purely on what it has in its hand. It's greed. Even though the monkey can see it's going to be captured, it can't let go. And this is what covetousness and greed can do to an individual. See, for Christians, if there's covetousness in your lives, that that desire to want and want and want, maybe a want for, you know, want a partner, a new piece of technology, Whatever it is, it just robs the joy, peace, and contentment in walking with the Lord. And for the unbeliever, covetousness is the tactic of the enemy to blind them from their road straight to hell. So there's great lessons from this passage that we're going to look at. And it's great for us to reflect at it at the start of a new year. Things that we can bring to our minds as we consider how we will live for the Lord this year. So if you've got your Bibles there, open them to Luke chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse 13 to 21. Luke chapter 12, 13 to 21. It reads as follows. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. 
And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build greater ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, who is not rich towards God. The first sermon point I want us to think of is called the greedy brother. The greedy brother. That someone who yelled out of the crowd was this young greedy brother. And what's interesting in chapter 12 is it opens up telling us in verse 1 that there are thousands there to see Jesus and they are trampling over each other. And our Lord takes an opportunity to teach them. And the first thing he does in chapter 12 is warn them of false teachers, of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And then he starts to slowly move the needle to the crowd and he tells them, you know, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. He's actually telling the crowd, you know, we can deceive others in our walk with God and who we are, but you cannot deceive God. Then from verse 4 onwards, Jesus continues his teaching and he tells them, do not fear people, but fear God. You know, um, I've read so many courageous and, and brave acts of people. You know, there are those who will see someone suffering in a lake and they'll jump in there and they'll go in there to save them. We think of the many acts during war, the men that had to march up the beaches to end the war. These are brave, courageous acts. But when it comes to speaking about biblical truth, isn't it true that we can be so easily disarmed when we think about what others will think about us? So here, from verse 4, Jesus is encouraging the crowd, do not fear people, but fear God. And then in verse 10, Jesus tells the crowd, He who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Then we read these words, Someone in the crowd said to him, This is the moment where you would want that someone to say, Jesus, can you just unpack that thought further? What do you mean by blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? But it's not what you find. You find this young brother that's been eaten up by him not having an inheritance. He's not even listening to the wonderful teaching of Jesus Christ. He says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide inheritance with me. There is a family dispute it looks like the younger brother has not got his inheritance. Can you 
maybe picture that man in the crowd. Thousands of thousands. He's probably squeezed his way towards Jesus. Jesus is teaching about all these wonderful spiritual truths. But all this person can think of is inheritance. I have been undone. Covetousness refuses to be satisfied. And from the parable that Jesus is going to give, you can see that this young brother was well off. He had certain comforts to the rest of the society. But the issue of missing out or wanting to have, to have, to have has blinded this individual from the one who was standing before him. Christ Jesus. Did you notice in our text how this young brother addressed Jesus? He says, teacher. Teacher. It's so easy to fall into that trap, calling him teacher, just for our own selfish desires. I think everyone here would agree it's a sad state for anyone to be in today, who can come to church, hear sermons after sermons, gospel presentation after gospel presentation, biblical truth after biblical truth, but for greed to block all those wonderful benefits from their hearts. The work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration is definitely required. This young brother is speaking to Christ. And Jesus knows the motives of all men. Even though this person will say, Teacher, Jesus knows the motives of this man. So Jesus responds. And Jesus says, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Verse 14. I mean, you might be struck back with the word man there. And in Luke's Gospel, this is not the first time you see that word. In chapter 5, when Jesus is speaking to an individual, he says, man, your sins are forgiven you. So it's not used in the same sense as maybe as we would use it now. It's not used in a rude sense. But Jesus uses the word, who made me a judge over you? These words are not new to the Bible. If you know the book of Exodus, Moses is the one that's going to be the deliverance for the people in slavery. And Moses sees two Hebrew brothers fighting over pity things. So he walks over there to try to stop them. And what do they say to him? Who made you a judge over me? See, for those individuals back in Egypt, they were so focused on their earthly problem that they missed who will be their deliverer. They missed the forest for the trees. And this is what's happening to this young brother. He is so focused on his inheritance, again, he's forgotten who is standing before him. Christ, fully man and fully God, or truly man and truly God. Christ, the one that's going to redeem his people for himself. And this saviour now starts moving the conversation away from the brother. 
now to the crowd. In verse 15 he says to them, he said to them, them. And when Jesus does that, it's not only applicable to the crowd then, it's also applicable for all his children for generations after. And the dialogue that Jesus is going to start talking about now is life. It's easy to read this passage and we may think he's talking about wealth. No, Jesus is talking about a heart issue. And because he's talking about a heart issue, he gives us two commandments. The first one he says to take care. Or in other words, watch out. And the second one is to guard ourselves. Guard ourselves? From what? From all covetousness. From all greediness. In the kids' talk, I liked how Pastor Richard brought up the Ten Commandments and said, coveting, which, which commandments do I break? He is right. It has that impact. It breaks all the commandments. The tenth commandment is you shall not covet. It says you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And one way covetousness is through lust. Lust is a strong desire for something that God has forbidden. It takes over us. The person may never touch the individual but they will covet inappropriately in their own hearts. The commandment goes on and says, you should not covet your neighbor's male or female servants. This is when someone is doing well and there is a prone in the human heart to compare ourselves to their success, to judge this then leads to dissatisfaction in what God gives us. The commandment says, you shall not covet your neighbor's ox or donkey. And in today's context, this is jealousy, isn't it? You feel like you're missing out on something. And all this doesn't allow us to love our neighbor's right. I say this to make this point. The emphasis in that text there. I want you to draw to is the word all. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Jesus is teaching outside the sphere of wealth. Wealth is included, but all greediness. Covetousness is what makes a person sign up to a charity or program that they don't need just so that they can profit from it. Covetousness is what makes people take things from work back into their homes, even though they don't need it. Covetousness stops genuine help as people hold on to things that they do not use rather to give it away. They hold on to it. Covetousness develops that tight fist just like the monkey. It traps us. You know, people do think that if you win the lottery, many things and many worries will be addressed, isn't it? 
And I would say that if, it, if that happened, I think further worries and further problems happen. And I want to give you two examples of two individuals who won the lottery and how covetousness marched straight into their lives and destroyed it. There's an individual in the UK, she won about 1.8 million pounds, say about 3 million Australian dollars. And she ended up going on a shopping spree. And guess what? Covetousness had her. He told her to buy more. Buy more stuff. He told her that she will find purpose in those things. That she'll be able to stand up to society with those things. The shopping spree didn't end. She formed an addiction. And a decade later, she only has a few thousand pounds to her name and living with her mum. Another individual, an Indian immigrant in the US, he celebrated a dinner with his family because he won the lottery, only to later die that night. But there was something much darker. One of the family members, driven by covetousness, poisoned the individual so they can have the winnings. Jesus tells us, take care. Watch out. Be alert. Be mindful of the dangers of covetousness or greed. We have to bring this forth to our minds of the dangers to see how it can impact our lives. Then he gives us military language. Guard yourselves. When a soldier is on guard, he is responsible for that post. Jesus is telling the crowd, he's telling us, we are responsible for everything that happens in our hearts. Guard your hearts. See, when you're blessed with possessions or things, maybe it's an expensive watch, jewelry, new technology, whatever it is, maybe it's inheritance. Guard your heart. Remind the heart. Real life does not come from things. Remind the heart that is appointed to man to live once. Then comes judgment. Remind the heart, as in First Timothy tells us, for we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of this world. Guarding our hearts, taking heed, ensures us that we have a light touch on the things that we have. Friends, you know, this is not the first time that we hear such teaching in the Bible. There are so many examples of how greed or covetousness has destroyed an individual or a nation. Remember Achan when the Lord said, do not take the spoils of war? He did. He took it and hid it in his tent. And that brought judgment into the whole camp. How about Nabal? Uh, King David protected his flock. And once David went and said, can you provide us some uh, some supplies? He refused. 
and we read how Nabal was taking a feast ten days later. He had a stroke. Sorry, he had a feast. He had a feast. He had a stroke, and ten days later, he lay paralyzed, died. How about the New Testament? Judas, Ananias. Jesus says, "Take care, guard yourself." If we're honest, how many times in our lives have we often thought of taking care or guarding ourselves from covetousness, from watching out for greed? So Jesus is going to press this truth even further by using a parable. That goes to my second sermon heading, The Greedy Rich Man from verses 16 to 19. So Jesus now will teach him by this parable. And again, he's speaking to the crowd. And he says this from verse 16. And he told them a parable. And sorry, let me just, before I read the parable, you know what makes this parable really stand out? In most times when we have parables, the characters that are used will either play the figure of God or man. But this parable is unique. Because we have God himself in this parable. It's a further shock factor that our Lord wants to deliver to the crowd. He wants them to know that this is God and man. He wants us to say, when God's in the picture, we, the crowd, better start to examine their own hearts. So verse 16 it reads, He told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. You see how Jesus starts by drawing the emphasis on the land, the land of a certain rich man. It's not the hard work of this man. It's not because he's got a great farming technique or approach, but the land. If I had to have two lands beside each other, there's just this one land that just produced better crops healthier soil. The credit goes towards the land and not the approach. And for the crowd, and especially the first century reader, as soon as you mention the word land, they would have known that this person is wealthy. Not many people had land. And when the, the actual word echoes, regions or countries or vast, vast, um, vast land, so Jesus gives this illustration. The land of a rich man produces plentiful. Now listen how this rich man reasons with himself. Verse 17. What shall I do for I have nowhere to store my thing? The first response of a blessing for this person is not to thank God. This person has had nothing to do with the abundance that he's been blessed with, but the focus is I and my. You know, the, um, the old writers, the reformers to the Puritans, when they came to this text, they called out the direct problem as it is. They called it the I and my disease. Not the I, the I. 
and my disease. You have your Bibles there. Just have a look at the amount of time we have the word I and my in verses 17 to 19. This rich man is already well off, but the focus is still I have nowhere to store my crops. And the word store there is the word to gather in. I have to have, I have to have, and that's repeated twice. And again, there is no healthy thinking. There's no healthy thinking thinking, what should I do for God? What should I do for his service? What should I do for his glory? What should I do for the one who waters my land? What should I do for the needy, the poor, the widows? No. For this man is what shall I do for my crops? Verse 18 reads, And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Brothers and sisters, the warning from this parable is not a warning not to save, not to be smart with our assets, but how covetousness draws us to the improper use of abundance. How covetousness draws us not looking to give God thanks. How covetousness draws us and not asking how the Lord would want to use the blessing that he gives for his service. Maybe some of you are thinking, you know, this rich man was rich, he was wealthy. This young brother was wealthy. What does this have to do with me? I don't have an abundance. Jesus spoke to the crowd. Not all of them were in the same category. But all of them, like you and I, have the ability to fall into the I and my disease. It's my life. It's my desires. It's my wants. Living for self. Thinking that we will be happy or fulfilled or content. If only I could have more of whatever I want. Possessions or the desire to have can quickly start becoming the object of man's worship. Clothes, cars, gardens, career, health, being popular, whatever it is, these things, if we don't guard ourselves, if we don't watch out for them, start replacing the worship of God. It becomes idolatry. You know what the sad state is? In verse 19, look how this rich man speaks about his own soul. In verse 19 he says, I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample good laid up for many ears. Many ears is not something that he can decide. Covetousness blinds us on how fragile life is. You know, the famous book, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, it's screw tape is an individual, an experience 
demon who's writing a letter to Wormwood, a young demon. And if I can paraphrase one of these chapters, he tells him about war. He says, we don't want war. Yes, people die in war. But when there's death, people are mindful of their souls. They're mindful of what's going to happen after. Because don't worry about wars. Just give them things. Get them to focus on possessions. Get them to think about this life. That blinds them. They won't be thinking about their soul. And this is what's happened to this rich man. This rich man in this parable is going to close his eyes that night and is going to wake up to a different reality. A reality where God is going to say to this man, you fool. And that comes to my last point, the greedy fool. God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. Have you ever considered how Jesus may have said that to the crowd? What would have been the tone as he spoke to the crowd? Would it have been a tone of anger? A tone of disbelief? I would think it would have been a tone of pity and compassion. For this very night your soul is required of you. Not tomorrow. This very night. And we're left with this unanswered question. What about the things that this person is going to store in their barns? Where it's going to go? Possessions and things, sometimes the things that we desire, have no bearing on our eternal destiny. And how easy possessions can draw us away from God. You know the interesting thing about this parable? This rich man and this young brother who is well off they would have been the envy of the society. But in our text, God gives them the title of the fool. People often say that life is short. I 100% agree with them. Short compared to eternity. What, what happens after we die really matters. I pray that none of us will ever hear those words from our God. You fool. Instead, What's important in our life is what we do with the personhood of Jesus Christ, the one who is speaking these words to the crowd. Christ has come to give his people eternal life. The Bible is very clear that there's not even one that can stand before a holy God and pass his standards. We need a saviour. We need a Christ. We need Jesus. 
the second person of our triune God who sustains the world, who sustains the universe, will come in the form of a human needing to be sustained. The one who feeds the animals, who waters the fields, will come in the form of a human being thirsty and hungry. The one who is awesome in the splendor of heaven will walk among men, teaching them, guiding them, even to the ones who will later mock him and reject him and seek to put his life upon a cross. The one who is holy, the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, comes to take the shame, guilt, and sins of his people. All this humiliation, for what reason? So sinners, they will repent. They will seek his forgiveness. They will yield their lives to him, that they will be rich in life where it really matters, that have eternal impact, so that we, his children, can be rich towards God. Maybe in 2023 we can fall into a trap where we are chasing after the world. And I pray that the Spirit will remind you of this. It's like chasing the wind. It's of no avail. Turn to Christ. Seek Him for help. And He is more willing to give you His peace. Seek Him for true repentance. Cry out to Him for your sorriness of sin. Ask Him to hide your shame and guilt because of the work that He has done on the cross. Ask Him for a new heart and help. Let me repeat this. I pray none of us on that day will ever have that title of a fool spoken to us. Instead, that we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Enter into the joy of your Saviour. See, Jesus the Messiah is speaking to this crowd and he warns them to take care, to guard ourselves from all covetousness because it can really take away the focus and the joy that the Lord gives us. Greed will draw us further and further away from being truly rich towards God and also have the danger of having the title of a fool if we have not turned to Christ yet. You know, for the younger brother who asked this question originally, who interrupted Jesus while he's teaching of these things, if only if he would take heed of what Jesus is teaching, the dispute would just settle in his own heart. That monkey was trapped because of his tight fist of what he's holding on to. This young brother is trapped because all he could focus is on the inheritance. 
but may we be a people who hold who hold tight who do not hold tight to possessions but hold tight in Christ I say holding tight to Christ brothers and sisters be assured of this at times we feel like we need to hold on to Christ I pray that the Holy Spirit will remind us that most of the time it is Christ that holds on to us. He holds on to us because we are his children. But he does warn us to guard ourselves and to protect ourselves from covetousness. May this word be a comfort to you and may this word help you as you live your lives for our Master and King. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the words that you have spoken. We thank you, Lord, how you are the King of the universe. We thank you that how you have humbled yourself to come into this world, to take away the sins and shame of your people. We thank you, Lord, that even though we hear commandments such as this, our dependency is not on these commands or the things that we need to do. Our dependency is on what you have done on that cross and how the Holy Spirit works through us. Oh Lord, protect this church, protect all its members, protect our hearts. Give us the strength to guard our hearts. Give us the ability to watch out. And Lord, most of all, allow us as a community to help sharpen each other from this trap of covetousness. Our Lord and our King, we look to you and you alone. And we ask these things for Christ's sake. Amen.